0: And now save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.
1: Welcome to the HIV podcast. Each week we focus on a person, historical event or pop culture moment linked to HIV.
0: And explore the story of what actually happened. I'm Sarah and I'm Jess and between us we've been working in the field of HIV for 40 years. Our aim is to get as many people as possible HIV educated. Welcome to the HIV podcast Sarah. Hello. Sarah just told me she forgot the name of our podcast.
1: <laughs> I can't introduce it anymore because there's just so many It's not true. There are no variations, are there? It's just called the HIV podcast. Couldn't be simpler.
0: That was it, wasn't it? That there were so many variations that we had to just absolutely simplify it. Yes. So welcome to Just Always Think. What is it? It's a podcast about HIV. And there's your title. Yeah. Right. Now, if we sound, if I sound slightly different, I have to admit this. I'd love to edit it out, but I'm going to shame myself here, Sarah. That little first bit that we started recording, I realised that my microphone actually wasn't plugged in. So if I sound like I was down a well, that's why. So hopefully sounds a bit better now. Sound quality slightly, slightly elevated. Fingers crossed. Okay. so I mean, so we've
1: got that out of the way now. Everything's going to go perfectly from now on. I know it. I know it is. This is going to be our best one yet.
0: The stakes are high. Well, before we get started, I have, I don't know why I keep calling it housekeeping, because that's like when you go to like a theatre show, isn't it? And they like tell you about the exits and where the toilets are. I don't know what I'm supposed to call it. I don't know, like news corner or something. Okay, so you're not going to tell me where the toilets are in my own house. I actually don't know where the toilets are in your house. I've never been inside your home that you know about. (laughs) (laughs) Is that creepy? Yes. Oh, moving swiftly on, because that's weird. Obviously, I'm just joking. I genuinely haven't been in Sarah's house. She would never allow that to happen. Right, so some exciting HIV news on Saturday, the 1st of October this year. Well, of course it's this year. I wouldn't be telling you about an event next year, would I? Jeez. <laughs> be forward planning, wouldn't it? <laughs> so I'm not that organised. So there is a um, Fighting HIV Stigma March in London, and it's with over 20 HIV organisations, and it's all about fighting HIV stigma. There's more information on THT's website about it, if anyone wants to go along or have more information. And I think there's also a little bit of funding you can apply for if you're coming from outside London. I'm sure I saw that on the website. Don't hold me to it, but go and have a look. Um, so it says, I'll be gathering from 12 o'clock on Saturday, the 1st of October on London's Belvedere Road, opposite St. Thomas's Hospital behind the County Hall and marching to Trafalgar Square. And it says, everyone wanting to fight HIV stigma is welcome. And whether you've been on any demos or not, everyone is welcome. So have a look at THT's website for more information about that. That is coming up. Do you like that? I feel like a Mm. newsreader. (laughs) You really do. And you look like a newsreader too. It's excellent. Oh, look, I'm going to shuffle my papers. (laughs) As everyone knows, we now have our own Instagram for the HIV podcast and TikTok. And YouTube channel, everybody. You can listen on YouTube now. And I have to say, this is a bit of a shout out to someone called William Hampson. And his account is called The Lost Boys of Soho. um, And he has a book out that's just come out. But he messaged us to say that he, well, commented to say that he had been on a marathon of our podcast. And when he messaged, he was, he had listened to 27 episodes in three days. Oh, good grief. He deserves some sort of prize. I know. I know. Do you think he just came up after that? Like, oh, this is terrible.
1: Oh, well done, him. Do you think he's brainwashed now?
0: Well, I hope so. That's what I, that's what I hope. I hope people are still listening. But, but William, did you finish? Did you make it through all of the episodes? I want to know. So please do let us know. And so he has a book out that I actually do really want to read. And I thought I'd just give you a little bit of the, the synopsis oh, yes, line. Yes. Yeah, so it's a true story. And what it says is it's the murky world of London's Soho gay village, where Will's HIV status was used to blackmail him while he was working in a Soho gay bar um, and you can find out more information about his book on his Instagram which is the lost boys of Soho or his website which is the boys of I just realized I called him Will and I think I just did that so if you hate that William I am so sorry I did not mean to just like start shortening your name like we're best friends so, yes. so apologies <laughs> you know, Yes, but thank you for listening to the podcast and uh, we'll definitely check out your book. Sounds awesome. Yeah, we will. That's News Corner. Is it? We need a better name. So if you can think of a name, Sarah, let me know.
1: Oh, not off the top of my head. It will take many hours to come up with, oh, News Corner's good, isn't it? And then I'll just claim it as my idea.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Carol, we know this. I have form for doing this. Well, tell me what we're doing this week because obviously crime's over. Sad. I'm sad crime's over, but it was really good. Do you know what? It was really good. We learned a lot during those episodes. So much. I even message and say they were really intrigued um, with the episode where we had been explaining the very first one exactly what constituted reckless HIV transmission and intention and how much the police need to prove. And they said it had sparked their lawyer brain and they wanted to know more.
1: Ooh. That's interesting, isn't it? I feel like we're practically lawyers. I mean, this does your friend a massive disservice because she or he has probably done many years of training. And I'm like, yeah, one episode, we're
0: all over it. Legal Eagles, that's what we are. Legal Eagles. Well, I mean, you have form for, as you've said, you know, declaring yourself a lawyer, a doctor, many, many different things. There, a scientist. I mean, I do. I wear many different hats, Jess.
1: It's a burden. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. one I carry well. <laughs> what will be your speciality today, Sarah? What are you an expert in? <laughs> I'm glad you ask. So we um, so we talk a lot about HIV, obviously. It's an HIV podcast. It's not okay. the best start, is it? And, and we've looked at heroes. We've looked at moments in history. We've looked at reckless and intentional transmission. But somebody pointed out recently, we've never actually explained the science behind HIV. So how do we know that if someone is undetectable, they can't pass on the virus? How the medication works? Why it can take up to 12 weeks for HIV to show up in a blood test? And what is U equals U? Oh yeah, we're covering it all.
0: I feel like this actually probably should have been our very first episode ever. That is a very good point.
1: Yes, we should have started with this. But <laughs> So what we're going to do is actually what HIV is, just a year on. <laughs> If, if there was ever a way to evidence our chaotic working style, this is it. That's we'll do this funny. one we'll do this one. later. 12 months later is fine. Everyone up until then, not a
0: clue what HIV is. That is very true. We, are, we do work best in chaos, I have to say, under pressure and in chaos. Oh, I love it. I love a bit of chaos. I love deadlines.
1: You know, like that kind of butterfly mind kind of syndrome where you're going from one thing to the other to the other. Thank God. The ab off Sean is the opposite of that. And he can tether us, bring us back down to earth and in his lovely mild way go, so what is your plan? Otherwise, who knows where we'd end up.
0: That is very true because you and I have fairly similar working styles. But as you say, the best way to describe it is butterfly mind. We are thing to thing to thing to thing. And we'll start a meeting talking about one thing. And by the end of it, we're in like a funding bid for something completely different. And we're talking about getting a bus. It's just, you know, <laughs> it's just chaos chaos all around. Okay, I'm very excited about this because we get asked so often about all of this. So here it is on a platter from Sarah, the scientist. Yeah, when you hear how we're going
1: to describe it, you will realise very quickly, no, no scientist, well, there is science in it, obviously, but I'm not scientific. And I've got absolutely no medical training. But in some ways, I think that's good, because I'm going to go through it the way that I understood it. So the medical profession might be uh, just, well, not alarmed. It's nothing alarming in here, but disappointed how a layman would describe it. But we'll give it a go. I'm going to do this over two episodes because there's a lot to cover. So we're not going to cram it into just one. Where are we starting? Where do we begin? Well, get ready, because by the end of this podcast, and a little objective for this one, you'll have built your knowledge of HIV to such a level that you'll probably be qualified enough to work for TVPS. I didn't realise I'd written this in my notes because, well, Jess, you and I have worked together for a long time. Our relationship is bound to crumble. We need replacements. This is how we're
0: going to do it. I see. We're training people, recruiting them, getting them in. I yeah. like it. I like where your yeah. head's at. Well, you say that, but we know that Sean
1: does listen to our podcast. I'm I'm joking, Sean. We don't want to be replaced. He, I mean, he's a very highly respected HR consultant, as you know, and I think I'm probably on thin ice even joking about our replacements. Edit all of this out.
0: Staff might be like, wait, how, how are we recruiting people
1: now? Yeah, just training them up on a podcast episode, yeah. throwing them
0: in at the, the deep end. Absolutely fine. <laughs> no, this is good. I mix it. well. Do you know what? We should say, although you and I have worked in the HIV sector for donkey's years, Absolute donkeys years. You more than me. Neither of us came from a medical background or even a social care background. So I worked in a solicitor's office and you were in marketing, weren't you? Advertising. Advertising. Advertising, advertising agency, yeah. 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 So actually, and, and a lot of the people, not all of them, but some of the people that we've had throughout the years have haven't been from a social care background. No, it's very true, actually. Yeah, we should commend
1: ourselves on fooling the board of trustees into recruiting us with no experience.
0: Well done to them. I mean, you anyway. recruited me, so I feel like, you know, that's on you. And you're very welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Okay,
1: so look, let's start. HIV is a virus, we know this, but and viruses are essentially germs, right? Yeah. Okay. And we know that the HIV virus can't reproduce by itself. It needs a host or a home so that it can produce copies of itself. Now, some viruses as we know, aren't fussy about the type of home and some are. So HIV needs a certain type of cell in our bloodstream, a T helper cell or CD4 cell. We'll call them T cells because it's just easier to remember. Yeah, And T cells have different functions. So depending on their structure, but ultimately... They help coordinate our response to foreign organisms like germs. I nearly said orgasms then. Um, Right. But no, so they all kind of work together. And their role really is to get rid of the germs that come into our body. So HIV has picked these very cells to make an ideal home, which you think would be a bit of a stupid decision, really, because, you know, it's the one cell that's going to attack HIV um, and, and hopefully get rid of it. But it doesn't. The way the HIV virus gets around this That it, actually i'm going to start that again because it completely put me off saying orgasm uh-huh. t cells have different functions depending on their structure but they help coordinate our response to foreign organisms like germs so you would think that hiv has made a fairly stupid decision by deciding that those cells will make an ideal home the very cells that kind of shout danger danger when there's a foreign organism in close range so how does it get around this All it does is bonds itself to the T-cell surface. So you imagine you're a T-cell and you're going around the bloodstream, you're fighting germs and you're doing good wherever you go. Like a superhero. Exactly like a superhero. Yep. You see something that you don't recognize, the HIV virus, you're like, danger. And it literally just attaches itself to your face. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. And what can you do? It's right there. It's like, I'm not going anywhere, mate. You can just carry on shouting all you want, but your days are numbered. And that's what it does. It basically bonds itself to the surface and it kind of stays there and it is really irritating. I feel really sorry for T-cells, actually. I'm not going to lie. Because as well as not being able to do their job because they've got virus bonded to their surface, the virus then says, well, actually, do you know what? You'd make a really good home. So I'm just going to hop inside you, inhabit you. And what you're left with is just the shell of a T cell with an HIV HIV virus inside it. So the T cell's no longer functioning? No, completely defunct. And its purpose now is to be a home for the HIV virus. And once it's in there and it's all cozy and it's set up home there, it just starts replicating itself. So then those cells will go out into your bloodstream and they'll find other T cells and smack themselves on the face of those and do exactly the same. Like a cuckoo. Yes. Imagine if HIV was a person, right? It would be that person that kind of clings to you. We've all met people like this, haven't we? That clings to you till they get what they want. You know, those very manipulative kind of people that see someone and they're going to, oh yeah, I want to be friends with you because I want to take your friends off you or because you've got money. That never happens in our case. Or, you know, for whatever. And mm. they just use you till they get what they want. And then they kind of throw you away. Well, in this case, it would go one step further because they just make you completely defunct and take over your (laughs) home. It's a horrible virus. It really is.
0: I don't know why I never, I've never known the science of it. So here we go. We're all learning. As ever, Sarah, we're all learning. Every day's a school day. Yeah, it really is. So think of uh, HIV viruses as
1: manipulative and very deceitful squatters, because that's what they are. So, you know, they're inside these kind of defunct T cells, they're replicating themselves. Those viruses are going out and taking over other T cells and a eventually what happens is that you've got no t-cells left they've all been taken over by the hiv virus and then you know it's one hasn't it because it's a germ it's not a fuss what other germs are floating around your bloodstream It works complete it can just relax so when other germs start to enter your bloodstream like they do because they do for all of us germs are everywhere there's no immunity there's no t-cells to fight them that no one's making their life difficult and they can just go around causing chaos. And that's exactly what they do. Take full advantage of their freedom because, you know, what germ wouldn't? You've got a bloodstream with nothing to stop you. And they'll just carry on causing chaos until they make that
0: person die. Well, they just keep yeah, replicating. They just keep on replicating. So there's just more and more
1: and more and more of them, right? Well, you think, um, what are you talking about? T-cells or germs? Oh, or other sorry, germs? sorry. The HIV virus, as in? So that will just keep on replicating until there are no T-cells left to kind of inhabit. And one of the ways that we measure HIV is by how strong your immune system is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, your immune system is not indestructible. If HIV is in your bloodstream and left alone for long enough, it will completely destroy your immune system and you won't have one at all. Then along comes a cold virus. Cold viruses are usually, generally, quite easy for your immune system to deal with. If you don't have an immune system, cold virus thinks it's having a whale of a time and it can go around and it can lead to pneumonia because nothing's stopping it. Um, and if you don't have the defence to fight pneumonia, although we have antibiotics and medicine to fight it, they're not going to work unless your immune system works in conjunction with them. And that's why in the 80s, before there was HIV medication,
0: people dying of
1: things like pneumonia, because there's nothing to stop it.
0: I mean, it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? And, and so the amount of HIV germs that there are or virus that have taken over these T cells, that is what we'd refer to as someone's viral load. Yes, yes,
1: yes, yes. So there are two ways of measuring HIV in someone. One is have the strength of their immune system and the other by how much virus is in a blood sample. Um, so you want your viral load to be low and your CD4 count, as we call it, to be high. That's how we know the medication is, is working. If you don't get that balance right or you don't have medication available, um, then you can die. So are you going to tell us what the
0: medication does now?
1: Yes, we are going to talk a bit later about how medication can stop all of that from happening. But first, we're going to look at how HIV is detected in the bloodstream. So we've talked a bit, haven't we, about viral loads and CD4. But we also need to talk about kind of how quickly it shows up in your bloodstream because HIV, I mean, it's not daft, is it? It's actually a really kind of clever virus and it doesn't want to draw attention to itself too early. So if you have unprotected sex with somebody and you contract HIV, it's in your bloodstream and it's working away quietly. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to show up in a blood sample straight away because it's got got to move into those T cells. It's got to start replicating itself. So if you have unprotected sex on a Saturday, it's no good testing for HIV on the Monday. It's just not going to show up in your system just yet. Yes. But we should mention, Pep, do you want to do the X? explanation on pep or do you want me to do it
0: i'm happy to do the explanation on pep okay so go ready, one. three two one go so pep is slightly different to prep which we've spoken about before prep is pre-exposure prophylaxis something you take before you have sex um so pep is something you can take for up to 72 hours after you've been at risk of contracting hiv so if i wanted to go and access pep Basically, I would go to my local A&E. Some clinics do offer PEP, but not all. So do, you know, if you can't get hold of your local clinic, just go straight to A&E. They know the procedure. You ask them for PEP. They'll just ask you why you feel you've been at risk. They're very good. And actually, I've been to A&E with a client before who was going to access PEP. And do you know what she did? Because the waiting room was really full. Um, Her partner was positive. A condom had broken. She just asked them for a piece of paper. And she just wrote it down and slid it across so that she wasn't announcing. You know, she didn't feel she needed to. Of course, there's a big queue behind her and lots of people around. Um, Yeah, so she just wrote it down, slid it across. They were absolutely fine. So, yes, you can access PEP and it is a medication that will prevent the HIV virus from getting into your T cells and will prevent you from contracting HIV. I hope that makes sense. I feel like I didn't breathe. You didn't breathe, but I think that's quite impressive, actually. Yes. Yes. Okay, so it's
1: there for when things don't go according to plan, shouldn't be used as an after an event condom, so to speak. Definitely not, and doesn't protect against any other STI. Okay, because yeah, condoms aren't always to hand. And actually, how many people are so
0: organized that they plan their sex lives methodically? definitely not oh and the, the thing just to say that I really wanted to say was slightly like the morning after pill um the late obviously you can take it within 72 hours but the later you leave it the less effective it is so right. the sooner you can get the pep and take it get to a e the better the more effective it is fabulous okay that makes perfect sense very well explained one day I really hope it will be available in pharmacies and things like that so people could You know, some A&Es are far away. It's not that easy for everyone to access PEP that quickly and especially got, I mean, look at the cost of living. Some people wouldn't be able to afford to get to an A&E. You know, how do you even get there to access it? So I really hope one day we'll see it in pharmacies and things like that.
1: I'm sure they're looking at that. You know, I'm sure I saw somewhere that they were looking at making it more broadly available or doing all the research into it. I, I think people you know. get put off by going to A&E at the moment because everybody knows the queues are massive. Yes, make it more widely available, people who make these decisions.
0: <laughs> I like that you assume that listening to our podcast <laughs> <laughs> and that we have a date. <laughs> you're like, do it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I believe all their policies now are formed on the basis of our podcast, if I'm honest. I think that's how we should conduct ourselves. Yes. <laughs> Why not? not? We have the power. And I think we use it wisely. Only for good, never for evil. No, no, definitely not. OK, so as we've talked about how quickly, well, we haven't talked about how quickly you can test for HIV, actually. We probably need to address that as well while we're doing this. So we're saying if you've had unprotected sex on the Saturday, don't go and test for HIV on the Monday. But PEP's available if you're worried. But we should explain a bit about the wind day period that people might have heard being banded about. Again, you're better at describing these things than me, but I'll give it a shot.
0: Oh, I was ready. I, I literally, I have a, a speech down. But you go. Have you? Oh, just the standard speech for for all times. It. We have so many calls. I write it in so many emails when people say, "Um, I I've been at risk," you know, yesterday or two days ago. So I just it we I I think it's one of the things I say and write most frequently. Oh.
1: Well, I've noted down the types of tests. This is like a blooming quiz now, isn't it? You can tell me whether I'm right or wrong. So I know there are four types of HIV tests. Good. You're nodding. This is good so far. A blood test done at the sexual health clinic. Point of care test. That's the test that we do. That's a finger prick test that gives you the results there and then. I don't know why I'm just slowing that part. down. We do this all the time. <laughs> Home sampling kits. Where you take your own sample of blood and you send it off in the post for testing. Correct. A home testing kit where you take a sample of blood yourself and it gives you the results at home. Well done. Yes. Oh, gosh. Okay. Am I right in thinking that a blood test done at a sexual health clinic I was going to say it gives the most accurate result. Of course it does because it's a full blood sample. But you can test a month after you've had unprotected sex?
0: You can. So it can pick up um, HIV antibodies faster than other tests, obviously. And to be honest, some point of care tests are now around the six-week, some are four-week mark. But the issue with that, and this is what we have to explain to people when we test, is that you would still need to test once you're outside of that 12-week window period. And I know we're going to explain what that is in a minute only because that's the soonest that the HIV virus could show up in a test. Mm. So it doesn't necessarily mean that that means you don't have HIV, because actually, maybe for me, my HIV antibodies might show up at four weeks. But for you, Sarah, yours might not show up till week 11. That sort of um, science, I suppose, errs on the side that you are positive, that you have contracted HIV. So you'd still need to test once you're outside that window period to get an accurate result. Does that make sense?
1: It does make sense. And presumably science does come into this, doesn't it? Because um, how quickly it's going to show up in your bloodstream is going to be dependent on the strength of your immune system, the strength of the virus. There's lots of things that come into play um, that can mean that some people might test earlier than others. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. when we talk about the wind day period, so we always say to people, don't we, that there's a 12 week wind day period from the date that you have had unprotected sex, but we don't stop people from testing earlier if they want to with us, with our service, because it's better to get them in and used to testing than risk losing them if we say wait another few weeks. Is that right?
0: Absolutely. So what's special about our service, and I'm going to call it special because it is, is we test in an extremely discreet private environment. Looks like somebody's house. You could be popping there to do anything, easy parking. And the way we make our appointments is also so that you're not going to see anybody else while you're there, just us. There's no waiting room. You walk in and you're seen with us, aren't you? So by that very nature, an awful lot of people that we see have never tested before because they don't want to access the sexual health clinic. You know, they're concerned for tons of different reasons why they might not want to test there. So you're right. What we don't want to do when someone calls up and says, oh, well, I am in the window, period, is is then say, oh, well, come back in you know, another six weeks because there's every chance that we're going to lose the engagement with that person and they might not bother to test. Whereas what we do know and what we have seen and learned is that if we get them in and they understand the process and they kind of get to know us and they know they're seeing us again, then they will come back for that follow-up test. And then obviously we can give them some HIV education as well because they're unaware of the window period. So, Yeah, we want them to get into the service so they have that link and they feel comfortable enough to then come back again. Of course, we understand why clinics can't do that. You know, I mean, the NHS is so strained, isn't it? They have. Yeah, they're just so stretched that you can't just be seeing people, even though you think, well, this isn't going to really be an accurate result. But for us, we really want people to engage with us if they've if they've taken that big step. And for some people, it's a massive step just to call or to email, to book. We don't want to just be saying, nah, come back later.
1: Yeah, no, I think that that's kind of one of the selling points of the service, really, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Not fussy, are we?
1: And when we get a reactive test result, we're obviously going to refer that person onto the sexual health clinic anyway. So I guess if you were to play devil's advocate, you say, well, what's the difference? Then why not just go to the clinic in the first place? But I suppose, A, because people don't want to wait, they want to be seen now. And we're really good at being able to offer really quick appointments. B, if it's not if it's not reactive, they've saved themselves a trip to the sexual health clinic and all the trauma. Because it, a lot of people do find it traumatic going to the clinic and sitting in a waiting room full of other people. I get that. Slough and Reading, you know, the two main towns
0: in Berkshire that we serve, are not massive, are they? No, not at all. And that's the thing. I think that's what really concerns people. Um, and when Sarah means reactive, that means the test is flagging off. It's not a negative. It means that something needs to be followed up um for a further test. I think also people have already. We're there to support them. And that's half the yeah. thing, isn't it? So they've already started accessing a service. So, yes, perhaps even if they've got a reactive test and they don't particularly want to go to the clinic, they can have those conversations with us about, right, I really can't access this in my area because if someone I see, no, where else can I, what are my options? And we can help them with that and help them book in for that follow up test appointment within the next couple of days. So, I think, again, that is a real positive of doing it that way.
1: Yeah.
0: Some people, really appreciate that kind of handholding, don't
1: they? I would. Oh, I definitely. Personal. Okay, so that's the HIV test and that is the window period. You don't want to hear my window period speech? Oh, gosh, look at me. We all know this is really my podcast and you're just the sidekick, but go
0: for it. Maybe of will oh, yeah, Jess, just do it. I'm going to balls it up now, aren't I? No, <laughs> I would just say the 12-week window period is um, it's 12 weeks from the point of possible exposure to the time a test can give an accurate result. I right, just bowed okay. for their, for everyone. That's just what I say. It's just the easiest way of saying it because obviously, if whenever I say to someone, if have you been at risk, what one person deems to be risk isn't necessarily what we as you know an HIV organization would deem as being at risk. Um so that's why I don't use the term have you been at risk, because they might believe they have been at risk when I wouldn't think so. I just always say from the point of possible exposure. Right. Sure. Okay, I get it.
1: How do people know about the wind day period if they're doing like a home test?
0: Well, so the thing is, I don't think we talk about the wind day period hot like enough. I, I don't know about you. I'm sure you feel the same. It's literally in, in within, you know, you kind of unfold those leaflets. Where, where
1: it's yeah, in. that no one ever reads. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it is in there and I think it is in the bits and bobs as you read through it. But again, are we really reading it? I think about, you know, I did a COVID test today. Am I really reading? I'm just going, right, what do I have to do now? OK, up the nose, in the throat. 15 seconds away. You're not reading all the other parts, are you? No. God, you'd still test regularly. Do you know what? Only I mean, because I've got really sore throat. So I was oh, just like, oh, I, this is not good. But I think I've just got a sore throat because I've got a sore throat. Who knows? Of course, every test is going to state about the window period and what to do if you get um, a reactive result. But I think it's really different. I re- just don't feel that people are reading that because I wouldn't.
1: No, I wouldn't either. It's a lot isn't it? And I think when you get a test like that you just want to do it because you want the result.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You I'm squeezing through it. Right. Here we go. Quick, quick, quick. Let's get this done. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think we've explained explained that really well. I know. I feel like this is the most like I feel like this is the most insight into our job that we've probably ever given because we're like, right, yeah, let me explain this. I know this. We do that. I'm impressed. Yeah, I'm We're talking about Binman. Binman, people. What? Remember, <laughs> like a podcast ago, this we were talking is, about Binman. Why are you talking about Binman? Because oh, an episode ago we talked about number twenty-eight, Daniel Street, who starts the bin parade.
1: Oh yes, yeah. yeah. No, we are right on it this week. I know. We haven't we've hardly deviated at all. I know. <laughs> I'm so proud. There's it. no, still time. Hey, right, so once someone is diagnosed, we've just talked about the testing and we've talked about the window period, but let's look at what happens when someone is diagnosed and the medication that they take to manage the virus and ensure that they don't get ill because the medication helps them become
0: undetectable,
1: and we need to know what that means because it is banded around a lot. so we're going to use our imaginations, Jess I love this. <laughs> this is like preschool, isn't it, Or whatever it's called? Here you ready. Taking it back to a very basic level. So, we're going to think of the medication like a police force because that's the way that I was taught to understand it with my very limited medical knowledge. And it's a police force going around the bloodstream, finding the HIV cells. Now, the police just want the HIV off the streets in the quickest way possible. So, there's a choice. They can either evict them from their homes and kill them, or they can round them up
0: and. Kill Jesus, them this got dark quickly. <laughs> oh, no.
1: Now, I'm not suggesting police anywhere in the world round people up and kill them. (laughs) HIV is nasty and it's the only way it can be dealt with. So that's their choice, isn't it? They could either just kill the virus off or they can round them all up and they can keep them in a compound where they can keep a close eye on them. You might think the easiest way to deal with HIV is just to kill it. But we don't have the medical know-how yet to do this on a grand scale. Do you remember when we did our um, World AIDS Day episodes and we talked about people who've been cured of HIV? Yeah. Yeah, and you can count the number of people on one hand that where they've achieved that. So the process used to achieve it is a stem cell transplant um, and it is fraught—you know, with risk. It's a very invasive procedure. It couldn't be completed on everyone with HIV due to the cost, but also the complexity and a lack of donors because, as you will recall, the donor's blood has to be resistant to HIV for it to work and although some people are re- resistant to HIV many many people aren't it's very very rare it's just you know it's just not feasible to do such a massive procedure on every single person who's HIV positive especially when we've got medication that can keep HIV at bay and that's what the medication does it restricts HIV's liberty do you know what? And I'm thinking now, I know people from the sexual health clinic listen to this. They're probably shaking their heads going, Jesus.
0: <laughs> Talking about HIV's it, liberty. <laughs> oh, dear.
1: To do to the clinic ever again. They'll be like, no, no, no place for you here. Can't show your face at the clinic. No, no, no. No, I've butchered the process of how HIV meds work. So or,
0: wait, or, let's not be pessimists, or... You'll walk in the sexual health clinic, say if you're taking a client there for an appointment, and you'll hear somebody explaining someone about HIV going, so it's like a police force, right? Now, (laughs) HIV is liberty. (laughs) You'll be like, that was me. That was my doing.
1: I mean, there are better medical descriptions, I will agree. But I would just like to remind everyone of my track record of mispronunciation. I'm literally setting myself up to fail if I use any medical terms at all. So we're going to keep it simple. I know. Okay. So medication, your police force, keeping HIV at bay. Still haven't explained about undetectable. We will get there people. And thank you for persevering and listening to this. If all the HIV cells are now contained within a compound with no way of escape, then they're not going to show up in a blood sample. The HIV is undetectable in your blood. It's still there, which is why you need to take medication every day. And remember, the medication is the police force. It's keeping the virus contained. If you miss a few days of your medication, it messes up your police force. Your police force gets depleted. You're leaving it short-staffed. And if you're a virus stuck in a compound and you start to notice the police force has staffing
0: issues, you're going to make a break for it, right? This is the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> it's just easy that the police force is short-staffed. Yeah, but I'm yes. with you. I'm totally with you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Virus makes a break for it.
1: And then you become detectable because the virus has started showing up in your bloodstream. It's whizzing around your bloodstream, having the time of its life again. It's looking for those T-cells. It wants to take them over. It's got freedom. You know, it's been cooped up for a long time. It's going to go mental. The medication people take for HIV stops all of that from happening. So as long as you continue to take your medication, you'll remain undetectable. And if you're undetectable, can't pass the virus on by having unprotected sex. It is as simple as
0: that. I'm going to use that as a soundbite, you know. What? The last bit? Yeah. It's simple, isn't it, when you think yeah. about it? But I think not enough people, I, I think, I know we've talked about this before, but a friend of mine once said about the Charlie Sheen thing when he had come out and said he was undetectable. Now, I mean, I'm not going to go into the whole Charlie Sheen thing. If you want to know about Charlie Sheen, head on back down to episodes, whatever, Charlie Sheen part one and two. That'll tell you all about Charlie Sheen. But When that had all come out, a friend of mine said, oh, he said he's undetectable. That's just made up, isn't it? And I was just like, what? No. And I had to explain all of this to her. I mean, granted, there were no policemen in my scenario. Perhaps there should have been. (laughs) She was quite shocked. And yeah, I'm just like, people should know about this. Like, we should all know about this. Definitely. And next
1: week's episode, we're going to look at that in a lot more detail, kind of how and um, I haven't phrase, by the way. I've just stopped <laughs> watching my cat, like, what the hell is she doing? Yeah, we look at all of that in more detail. Why didn't more people know about being undetectable? And how did they get that message out around the world? Because, yeah, still, I don't think enough people understand, which is a real shame because it's a game
0: changer for people living with HIV. It's, what it absolutely is. It absolutely is. And I think, unfortunately, again, in the world of acronyms that we live, when we say U equals U, people don't know what that means. If you know what that means, that's great, but you're probably quite educated around HIV. Yeah. And that's the problem, isn't it? If we're all just great and educated around HIV and we're not helping anyone else learn what you equals you is, then that information is not going to spread any further. Absolutely. So we will look at that next week because I think, yes, it's very, very
1: important. So the last thing we are going to look at is um, different strains of HIV because we hear this sometimes, don't we? People... Um, talking about having a very virulent strain of HIV. Other people don't. And it's really kind of simple because, you know, HIV strains are a bit like people. So some people want to be big and strong and rule the world. Some are lazy and not too fussed about making much of an impact. And it is exactly the same with HIV. Some strains are aggressive and want to do the most damage possible very, very quickly. Others can barely bring themselves to inhabit one T cell, let alone all of them. That's why some people can live with the virus for years without knowing it, and others fall ill very quickly and need medication. Now we've said we've mentioned earlier. It also depends on how strong your immune system is. You can only know what strain of HIV you've got by having a blood test. And to be honest, it's not worth taking the risk and assuming you've got a less virulent strain without getting tested. I don't want anyone listening to this thinking, "Well, I might have HIV, but it's probably a really lazy version, so I'll put off getting tested." It's not worth doing it. You just Go get tested and then if you're in Berkshire and North Hampshire, you'll get us supporting you. Do you think that might put people off? I hope
0: not. I wouldn't be put off. I'd be like, brilliant, these two. What are they up to just recording their silly podcast?
1: I'm going to end all that nonsense by presenting as being HIV positive and needing their care immediately. And you would get it because that's yep. how
0: lovely we are.
1: So there we go. That is all the science I can give you about the HIV virus. As we said, we're going to be looking at you equals you next week and how it's been publicised. Mm. But that's it. I'm done. I'm completely spent this week.
0: Oh, no, don't say that. Only because I've got one more. I love it when I do this, an impromptu question that we might have to cut out because nobody knows the answer. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Education. So it's true, isn't it, that if you say if I'm taking one kind of medication and my police force, I've stopped taking it, I've forgotten a couple of doses. So my police force have depleted, my HIV's got out. Now, I'm trying to think how I explain this in terms of the police thing. So that police, so the HIV then mutates, right? So this same police force, which is that type of medication, cannot then contain this new HIV. I've built up medication resistance So then I would need a new police force to come in, so a new set of meds to control this new HIV. Is this making sense? It is. Yeah, absolutely. So the HIV
1: virus is very clever and and it does mutate, a bit like COVID and all the different variants we've had of that. Sometimes if you don't take your medication regularly, then the virus kind of overcomes the medication and the medication stops working. Sometimes you can be taking your medication religiously every single day and the virus can still overcome it. This is why people go to be checked, have their blood checked regularly to make sure the meds are working and your immune system is still strong. It's why the virus is so clever. Um, and then you become resistant to the medication that you're taking and you have to start up with a different regime. Doesn't happen to everybody. I think a lot of it is to do with the type of strain that you've got. But it can happen. And that's why it's so good. There are many different combinations of medication. Huge variety. Now, you know, remember in the late 80s and early 90s, there was just one. So now there's a huge variety. Though all is not lost. If you find that you do become resistant to your meds, you'll start on a different regime and you'll be fine.
0: Yeah. Just keep going to click. Keep getting checked out. And they're very good at at changing meds up if someone's finding they're getting a certain side effect from things and it's not working. You know, I mean, our clinics are anyway. They're extremely good, aren't they? Are you saying this because you think they might be listening? Hi, Mags. I love you. (gasps) (gasps) Do you like that personal plug? I bet she doesn't even listen. No.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thinking of all the other people that might be Lindsay and Liz and Lorna and Beverly. (gasps) I've mentioned all of them, so I get more brownie points than you and now i haven't even started on the consultants that's just lovely nurses right, the i'm gonna words. have to
0: stop you we can't do it sarah i can't let her do this we'll be here all day everyone we love all <laughs> of you we think you're all amazing our clinics are fantastic in our area and we're really really grateful we have such a good relationship with them so there we go i've just covered everything okay yes
1: yes i think you have you're such a tryhard. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for listening to the hiv podcast If you enjoyed our podcast, please like, rate and subscribe wherever
0: you listen to your podcasts. You can now also follow us on Instagram and TikTok at the HIV podcast for behind the scenes insights and video.